0: dismissing as usual Miss Tori will be up front here with our older kids class and the nursery is available there in the back and we'll be taking our Bibles and turning to the book of Matthew once again you know that song we just sang the love of God that last verse is probably one of my favorite lines out of any hymn that I have ever sang to to think of the vastness of God's love He's saying if the ocean were made out of ink and every single stalk, every blade that you could use as an ink pen or a pen, and every single man that had ever lived were an author, a scribe, and the sky were you know, his parchment, even that wouldn't be enough to talk about how good God is. Like, man, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. And we think about how much God loves us. I love the way the author put that. Man, that's good. All right, to so the book of Matthew, chapter number five this morning. Matthew chapter 5. As we've been going through what the, we have come to call the Beatitudes, and really this is part of a greater lesson about uh, how we are supposed to have kingdom living, in the sense that we are supposed to live in such a way that the kingdom of God is presented to all of those around us. And when we live the way the Bible tells us to, we live in that kingdom, kingdom mindset it's going to be a lot different man than what what everyone else does it's just it's just different it's odd it's backward compared to the world however we know it's right and what comes from these things and what comes from living this way is really we we get the blessings of God from that and people see God in us because they know in their hearts that that's what's right and that's what's real so we'll start in verse number one we'll read through this and we'll pick up on our on our verse today in verse number seven but we'll start in verse number one And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We said, man, God's people are supposed to be humble. They're humble. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We said there's an appropriate way to mourn. We mourn over sin. We mourn over wickedness. We mourn over the things that are not correct in our lives. Blessed are they that are meek. For they shall inherit the earth. And we said meekness is not weakness. Meekness is when you have strength under control, just like Jesus Christ before his accusers. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse number six. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Man, we learned that if you want to be filled with the righteousness of God, you've got to want it. That's what you have to want. That has to be your aim in life. It doesn't just happen, and you have to go after it. And today we come to verse number seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So today that's going to be our main topic, is we're going to talk about the mercy of God and what it means to be merciful. And, you know, I've I've had some things that I've even learned about mercy over my study in this little bit. And I'm going to start with this. I want to tell tell you a story, kind of an illustration. Some of you may have seen this guy. He is a, I don't know where, and I don't know what kind, but he is a judge, and people are all the time putting little video clips of him up on the internet, a lot of times on YouTube, Facebook, whatever, and you see this guy, he's a judge, he's up high, he's in his chair, and there's the bailiff, and there's everybody, and most of the time, it's sort of light stuff, misdemeanor stuff, like traffic court stuff, and one of his videos came up on the internet the other day, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll see what this is about. And this guy is there. He's standing before the judge. And, and the judge is like, all right, sir, why are you here? And the judge is looking at his paperwork. And the guy's like, well, I've got, I've got three, three traffic tickets. One of them was a parking ticket. One of them was running a stop sign. And something some other kind of a minor thing. Um, but he was there standing in court with these three tickets. And um, the judge is like, OK, well, why did, why did you do this? And then he started going through his whole spiel. And he's like, well, man, who, who are you? What's your life story? And that's kind of the whole thing you hear these life stories of these people. He's like, oh, well, my name is so-and-so, and I was a bank robber, I robbed this many banks, and I just spent 37 years in prison. I've been out for two years, and now I've finally got my job as a delivery guy, and I was making my deliveries when I ran that stop sign. And so now the judge is like, oh, okay, so you, you, you spent 37 years in prison, and now you're trying to get your life right. Man, you've went out, you've got a job, you're, you're working, you're actually trying to make something of yourself, and the judge is trying to look at the greater context of it. And the judge is like, man, I really, I really want to show this guy some mercy. That's the whole point of this judge. This judge does this a lot. He figures out ways that he can show mercy to these people. He says, okay, well, you've, you've broken the law, and something needs to be done about that. You're a guy that has had a lot of offenses against you. You've done a lot of bad things, so I can't just make this go away. Here's the cool part. This judge has gotten so popular on the internet. People all over the United States are writing checks and sending this judge checks to pay for other people's traffic violations. And so this judge, he looks at the guy that's standing there he says, you know what, okay, you've done stuff wrong, and, and I can't just make these go away. But he looks at his list and he's like, there's a Mr. So-and-so down in Georgia. He has just written a $150 check to be applied towards someone else's account. He says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these three tickets and I'm going to fine you $150 for the things that you have done wrong. But this right here is going to pay for it and you're free to go. And the guy's just like, oh man, wow, thank you. And the judge's like saying, okay, don't do it again. I want to see you again. Here's what happened. Judge showed this guy mercy because someone else paid for it. See how that works? Judge showed someone else mercy, or excuse me, showed this guy mercy because someone else paid for it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what we are going to learn today about mercy. And we're going to also learn how we are to show others mercy. Because the Bible says that we are supposed to be merciful. We're going to learn how we be merciful as well. And it's all going to start with this. And I thought this was an interesting place to find mercy in the Bible. Mercy isn't 1st Oh, excuse me. One of the biggest places that I found mercy in the Bible isn't come or does not come from a command. You need to be merciful. It actually comes from a noun, a name. Let's go back to the book of Leviticus. I want you to turn back here with me. I'm going to show it to you. Let's go to the book of Leviticus, chapter number 16. Now certainly mercy is mentioned all through the Bible, but one of the most prominent places I want to show you is in a name. Leviticus, chapter number 16. Verse number 14. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Now, if you're familiar, this is the book, one of the books of the law. Man, the Old Testament law that no one was able to follow. It was something that people just, it, it, was, it was heavy. People were unable to do it. That's why they needed Jesus. Leviticus chapter 16. Let's look at verse number 14. I want to show you something. Leviticus chapter 16, verse number 14. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat. That's why it's a noun. That's the name. That is a thing, the mercy seat. We're going to talk about that. He sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. So in verse number 14, continuing on, He sprinkled with His finger on the mercy seat eastward, and before the mercy seat shall He sprinkle the blood with His finger seven times. Now, I'm, I'm going to pause there. I want you to keep this in your mind. There's, there's something called the mercy seat, and there's being blood that's put on it. Long, long time ago, back when the nation of Israel was a theocracy, and this was God's people, and God dwelt through them, and people had to live according to the law you had what was called the temple. And before the temple, you had the tabernacle, which was a mobile temple. You know, kind of interesting there. They had two sections. Well, many more than one, but two specifically we're going to talk about. There was this thing called the holy place. And then behind that, you had a place called the holy of holies. Within this place called the holy of holies, there was a box. This box we call the Ark of the Covenant. You've probably heard of that before, you know, it, jokingly. You know, Indiana Jones went looking for it. By the way, he's never going to find it because it's in heaven. I'm going to show that to you in a few minutes. The Ark of the Covenant was always kept within the Holy of Holies. And this was a box that was a very beautiful box. The Bible talks about how it was covered with gold. And on top of it, there was something known as the mercy seat. The mercy seat was essentially the lid to this box. It was something that went on top of it. And you had two cherubims, two golden angels on either side. And their wings kind of went up. And it made sort of a seat, sort of a... Uh, just a, a place a person could sit. Here's what would happen. When the nation of Israel came time for them to offer a sacrifice to God, they would take the blood of that animal. The high priest, he was the only one, not, not your everyday lay priest, the high priest, the, the number one high priest of all Israel. He was the only one allowed into the Holy of Holies. He would take that blood And he would go into the Holy of Holies where only he was allowed. And he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. And that Holy of Holies would be the place where quite literally there would be the presence of God. God would look at that blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat. And God would say, okay, the sins of the nation of Israel I will forgive. I will have mercy on the nation of Israel because of the sacrifice that was made here. I thought it very interesting that that was called the mercy seat. I'm like, why? And this is what happened in my study. I'm like, why was that ever called the mercy seat? Well, that's why. Because the picture is God wanted to show the nation of Israel mercy, but a sacrifice had to be made. The blood of that animal was put there, and that's what paid for, or probably better said, made the way. For God to be able to have mercy on the nation of Israel. Here's the interesting thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I, th- this would have been probably a couple years ago now. I preached a message on justice and mercy. I want you think about this for a minute. It seems hard that those two things could both be said of God. That God is a just God. When God sees something that's wrong, he will punish it. If God sees a sin, he will punishment. Sin requires death, period. God is a God of justice. Oh, well, preacher, I thought you said God was a God of mercy. He's also a God of mercy. So how in the world do those two things live in harmony? Here's how. When the demands of God's justice are met, then he can offer mercy. See how that works? When the demands of God's justice are met, Then he can offer mercy. So that's why you look at this thing called the mercy seat. In order for God to have mercy, blood had to be offered. So they took the blood of the animal and they went into the holy of holies. They put that on the mercy seat and God says, okay, payment has been made. I now offer mercy. Folks, what we're going to see here in just a few minutes is that Jesus Christ did the same thing for us. God's a God of justice. He demands that wrongs be paid for. Jesus paid for them. Now that the payment's made, God can have mercy. See how that works? It's a very amazing thing. So I've got several verses here I want to show you and kind kind of line these things out. So we saw right here, back in the Old Testament, verse number 14, that's what the high priest did. He shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. The high priest did that. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you just, just three main bullet points here, and they'll make it kind of easy for you. Number one, your lesson is this. God's mercy must be paid for. God's mercy must be paid for. Now, and if, and if, and if the word paid for doesn't, doesn't quite get to the heart of it, you could also say with this, there must be a way made for God's mercy, or for God to have mercy. Because, folks, ladies and gentlemen, just like this guy I was telling you about, the the judge there a few minutes ago, he wants to have mercy on people, but that wrong still had to be paid for. And it worked out really good. The judge could have mercy on that guy because someone else paid for it. So that's how those two things meet. So the Bible says this, and this is something that we can't get away from, and every person that's ever been a Christian must understand this. It's part of it, that the law requires punishment. It just does. The law requires punishment. So when you go back to the book of Romans, chapter number 3, verse number 23, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Ladies and gentlemen, when I look at that verse and I see the wages of sin, I see how we all have sin. We all have things that we've done wrong. From the moment we are born, we are on a path that will lead us to sin. Not necessarily that from the moment a person's born, they've already done bad things, but that they are born a sinner. And that sins will come because of it. Just like a dog barks. A dog barks because it's a dog. Sinners sin because they're sinners. And folks, when I see myself and I recognize that I am a sinner and I look at the Bible and it says that sin must be paid for, I see that one day I'm going to stand before a just God. And if justice is given to me, I'm going to go to hell. That's all there is to it. There's a guy, he's, he's got a ministry that he, um, he, he goes and he witnesses to a lot of people. And he's a very eloquent speaker. He's very good at, at interviewing people and talking with them through things. But one of the things he does is this, and the Bible actually says to do this. It says the law is your schoolmaster that brings you to Christ. When you read the law, you realize that there's no way I could ever do this. You, you, you just, you understand you can't. The Bible says the law points you to Christ. So here's what he does. He goes to the law and he shows it to people and says, okay, uh, right here. The Bible says thou shalt not covet. Have you ever wanted something that's not yours? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've done that. Okay, well, the Bible also says thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Hey, you ever, you ever gossiped or said, bad th- or said wrong things about your neighbor? Have you ever, you know, said things about them that weren't true? Oh, yeah. I've, I've probably lied about people before. Okay, the Bible, the Bible says that, you know, you're not supposed to lust. Have you ever looked at someone and lusted after someone that's not your wife? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've done that. So, okay, well, if that's the case, if you were to stand before God, would he say you're innocent or guilty? Then you just see the person's eyes. I'd, I'd be guilty. Okay, and if God gives you what you deserve, you, where would you go, heaven or hell? I'd, I'd go to hell. That's where we all need to see ourselves because God's law demands justice. And the only way I'm going to get out of it is if he gives me mercy. So the law requires punishment. Folks, something else we need to learn about mercy. Mercy does not make the law or does it make punishment just disappear. Okay, that's, that's something still under this. Mercy does not make punishment just disappear. This is one of the things that we do. And by the way, we need to rejoice with our mercy. We should. I say, oh man, God had mercy on me and I don't have to be punishment. The punishment's gone. That last phrase is where we would mess up. Your punishment is not gone, okay? When you get saved, your punishment didn't just disappear. Your punishment got put on somebody else. And that's a whole lot more significant than just my punishment going away. Hey, I didn't have to bear the burden of my sin. Yeah, you're right, you didn't. Someone else did. And I think understanding that thought it humbles me a whole lot more before Jesus Christ than just thinking, well, my punishment went away. See how that works? There is no way around somebody paying for sin. God is a just God, and punishment will be paid for by someone. Whether it be by me or by christ so the only way i could have my mercy is if he pays for it for me so mercy does not make the law or my punishment just disappear that's why i say here number one if we say god's mercy must be paid for we could also say the mercy seat what we just read the mercy seat offering paid a way for the nation of israel to receive their mercy when the blood was taken and it was applied When it was put on that golden seat, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit of God would fill that room. It would fill the Holy of Holies, and the presence of God would be there. And he would say, there's the payment. Now I can give mercy. I want to show you guys something really, really cool, and I love this. Turn with me, if you would, to Revelation, all the way to the back of the Bible. Revelation chapter 11, verse number 19. Revelation, chapter number 19. I'm sorry, yes, uh, chapter 11. Revelation 11, verse number 19. Revelation 11, verse number 19. Revelation eleven nineteen. 19. If you remember, the book of Revelation was written by a guy named John. And God was giving John visions of things that he should write down, okay? As he's writing down what he sees, this is one of them. I'm going to read one verse. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. This is what John's seeing. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquakes and great hail. What I want to point out is this. John was able to look up at heaven, and as the heavens opened and he saw inside, he looked inside God's temple, and what he saw was the Ark of the Covenant. So ladies and gentlemen, that tells me, based off this verse, the Ark of the Covenant is never going to be found here, because right now it's in heaven in the presence of God. Now I'm going to show you something even better. I hope you're ready for this. This is good. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 12. If you ever get the opportunity to do a study on the book of Hebrews, you will learn this. You will learn that Jesus Christ now, since we don't have the Old Testament Levitical way of doing things, Jesus Christ is now our high priest. He is the guy that goes into the Holy of Holies for us, in the presence of God, just like the high priest did back then. I tell you Jesus is our high priest. Look at this verse. Hebrews 9.12, the Bible says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the uncleanness of it to the purifying of the flesh, how much the more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I will tell you what I believe based off this verse and based off what I've seen in Revelation. It is my belief that right now the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat are in heaven in the presence of God himself. And based off what I just read right here in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is our high priest. When Christ died on the cross, there he was hanging, bleeding, suffering, and dying. By the way, the punishment, remember I said mercy doesn't make punishment go away. Mercy just gives it to someone else. That's him taking your punishment. Christ takes that blood (laughs) And he goes to heaven in the presence of God, where the Ark of the Covenant is. And now, just like the high priest did a long time ago, they took the blood of an animal, of a lamb, and they placed that lamb in the temple. Jesus Christ, now our high priest, takes his own blood, who, by the way, is our spotless lamb, born in a manger before shepherds. He takes his own blood, and he goes into the presence of God Almighty and places his own blood once and for all before God. And God can look at the blood of his son and say, Okay, justice has been fulfilled. Now I can give mercy because it was paid for. Look at it again right here in verse number 15. I'm sorry, verse number uh, 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkle the uncleanness of sanctify, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much the more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So, folks, Jesus Christ offered his own blood just like they used to a long time ago in the temple and in the tabernacle. They did this with this old, very methodical way of worship. Today, we don't do that because Christ already finished it. So, we see that mercy, it has to be paid for. It has to be, a way has to be made for mercy to happen. So a few things, I gave you number one, we say mercy must be paid for. Now i to show you number two, God's mercy is necessary. And they kind of go hand in hand. God's mercy is necessary. We already talked about how mercy does, not, mercy does not override justice because God is both. God doesn't lose his justice when he becomes merciful. Mercy does not override justice. So we saw that the mercy seat is now in heaven and it's already been paid for. My favorite illustration of that is this. And this is this is salvation. I've I've told you this one before, but maybe some of you haven't heard it. It's been a while. Uh, I remember. Oh, I remember it's like it was yesterday. This would be coming up on coming up on eleven years now. So my wife and I we dated for six months, and then we were engaged for six months, and we were married almost almost a year. Like exactly. I remember when uh, I went and, and bought the ring, right? And that, that was such a stressful thing for me because I'm like, okay, it's gotta be the right size, it's gotta look right, it's gotta have, you know, I wanted to make sure it was, it was perfect. And I did this thing where they're like, what size is it? And I'm talking to her sisters, her sisters are trying to tell me what size it is. And I got it too small. And everyone's like, oh, you can't make it big again. I found a guy that can make it big again. So <laughs> he actually like stretched the thing back out, boom, I got it. But I remember going to the, to the jewelry store and buying this diamond ring. And that was probably the most stressful week of my life because you're carrying around something like so valuable and you know if you lose it it's like it's just gone so i, I had this ring and it was in the box and i had it stuck down in my pocket i had everything all planned out i remember uh my wife and i we went to this place maybe some of you have seen it it's in north carolina it's called the biltmore house it, and it's a, it's a very it's, it's a massive ma- mansion it's one of the biggest houses or estates in in the united states anyway they decorated it all up really nice at christmas time and things I remember we went there, and there's this there's this big awning that's overlooking the whole house so if you're if you're back to the house, it actually raises up on their lawn and there's a place that's overlooking the whole thing and I remember thinking to myself, okay man, i'm driving down there it's about, a, it's about like a two hour drive from where we live, and the whole way like my heart is just like like, like beating and i'm like and I, I kept I kept reaching my pockets like the ring's still there okay I'm good you know five minutes later okay, the ring's still there i'm good, and I think actually if some of you poke fun at me for this, and that's okay. Uh, the picture of me and my wife when we're sticking our tongues out in the truck, I think that was when I was on the way to actually propose to her. Uh, anyway, so, so we got there, and I did the whole thing, you know. My, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I'm getting down on one knee, and I asked her to marry me and stuff. And then, um, you know, I, I just remember every, every moment of it like it was yesterday. Now, she didn't do this, thank God. But what if she would have said no? Talk about heartbreak, right? It's like, okay, well, the rest of this trip is over. That'd be a really long, awkward trip back home. <laughs> so uh, I'm just, I'm just going to let you take the truck. I'll call a cab, you know. <laughs> but she could have said no, couldn't she? If she would have said no, the ring still would have been paid for. She could have said no, the ring still would have been paid for. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize that's how your salvation works? When Jesus Christ took his own blood from the cross and he went before his Father God in heaven with the mercy seat and placed his blood on the mercy seat, sprinkling his own blood, one sacrifice, once for all, God says, okay, the sins of mankind are now paid for. I can now offer my mercy. To all. Just like when I got on one knee and I proposed to my wife, the ring had already been paid for, and I was offering something to her. I offered everything I am, my life, my future. I love you. She could have said yes or no. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where our salvation lies today. Your sins are paid for, but you don't have to accept that payment. You can go ahead and pay for it yourself if you want and God's justice will be served, and that person will spend an eternity in hell paying for their own sin. Or, you can see the mercy that God has already offered because the wages of your sin have already been put on someone else. So it's not that God's mercy means, oh, God's merciful. He'll just overlook my sin. No, no, He won't. He'll put the payment of your sin on somebody else, His Son. And what kind of a love is that? So I go back to the book of Matthew, and I'm going to finish with this. I've only got a couple minutes left. I spent a little bit more time on God's mercy than our mercy, but hey, that's okay. I like talking about Jesus. Let's go back to Matthew 5, because the point of the beatitude here is showing about how we are supposed to be merciful ourselves. So I spent a lot of time talking about God's mercy. Matthew chapter number five, verse number seven: "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy." So we are supposed to be merciful. With my last couple minutes, I want to give you this: we we like justice. And I think we like justice because God likes justice. We're made in his image. We think like he does. We, we feel the way that he does. So when I see someone that has done something wrong and justice is served on that person, I, maybe like isn't the right word. Maybe appreciation is the right word because, because, because you never want pain to come on someone, but at the same time, you do want justice. Justice is right. Justice is, is what we're supposed to want because God is also just. So judicially speaking, if a person runs over your mailbox, they're supposed to pay for it. That's, that's appropriate, right? So justice. I guess what I'm saying is this. Outside of the justice system, we're, we're not talking about someone going to jail for their crimes. We're not talking judicial stuff. We're talking me and you as a brother and sister in Christ or between you and another person. When someone has done something against you, when they have offended you, when they have sinned against you. What we want is justice. Man, can you believe what that person said about this? They're spreading rumors and lies about me. Oh, one of these days, that person is going to get what's coming to them. Now, that's what we want. That's the way we think. And by the way, there might be something about that that we can identify with because we want justice. And there's nothing wrong with wanting justice. God's a just God. However there's something else we need to remember, especially if this person is a brother or sister in Christ. Remember how God had mercy on me by that sin being paid for by someone else? Because it's the illustration we used. That person that spread a rumor about you, that lied about you and ran your name into the mud, that sin's been paid for. That sin's already been covered. I can't demand a moral justice from my brother in Christ because that sin has already been covered by Jesus Christ. Now, I notice I didn't say judicial. We're not talking judicial system. We're talking about morality between our spirits, between our friends and neighbors in Christ, as well as maybe even those that aren't saved yet because those have been paid for too, really. So what right do I have to seek Vengeance where have we heard that word before? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. So what I need to learn is this, and when I look at this, I need to understand when someone has wronged me, when I feel like I have a right to go after that person, when I feel like I have a right to get vengeance, I have a right to seek justice on that person. Okay, and judicially you may, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to me as a Christian, and when it comes to me as a child of God, I need to look at that person and say, God loves that person, and God has already died and paid for that sin, just like he paid for my sin. And now I am told that I am blessed if I can have mercy on that person. So what I think I want us to work, I say I, it's not me, it's what the Bible tells us. What I think we need to work on this week is this. When someone hurts me, when someone wrongs me, if I am in my heart able to show that person mercy, and by the way, mercy and forgiveness kind of go hand in hand. If I am able to not just forgive that person, but also have mercy and not seek vengeance after that person, I am now being merciful because God also has showed me mercy as well. So, like we said before, that's different. That's not the way the world thinks. Everyone else is going to tell you, oh, yeah, that person did that to you. Well, you need to go get them back. Hey, you you give back what you get. Whatever, Whatever happens to you, man, you just go do it right back to them. That's not what the Lord tells me. The Lord says if we can have mercy, we should show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall also obtain mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, I want the mercies of God. And in fact if you're saved he's already had mercy on you and if he's had mercy on you you can likewise show that mercy to others and with this i'm done folks what god has shown us we're supposed to show others so for example love can i love everyone for who they are there's a lot of people myself included i'm a little bit quirky i'm a hard person to love but i know that i can show love because god is in me and i can show people the love of god that's what i'm supposed to share the love of god likewise we are supposed to show others the mercy of god so mercy does not mean that justice is gone just means someone else already paid for it and we don't have to go after that payment folks let's have every head bowed and let's have every eye closed and i want us to contemplate on this for a few minutes as we think about mercy. I'm going to ask you two simple questions about mercy this morning. I start off asking you this. Have you accepted the mercy of God? Has there been a time in your life where you have gone to God and asked Him for His mercy? The Bible says that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can go on our life and continue the way we're living, never accepting God's mercy, just like the diamond ring, and we can say no, even though it's already been paid for. Or you can call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you of your sin and become a child of God. God died for that reason. Folks, if you've never done that, today can be your day of salvation. And number two, I would ask you this. Is there someone on whom you need to show mercy? Have you been wanting vengeance on someone? Have you been looking for that justice against someone that wronged you? Folks, I want us to remember, God already paid for that sin. The payment's already been made by your Father. Our God in heaven, we want to come to you today and thank you for loving us. I thank you, Lord, that you paid the penalty for my sin that you paid the sin debt of the entire world, that you could show your mercy. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that you would help us to likewise be merciful. You've asked us to be merciful just as you were merciful. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to follow through with your command. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation before it's too late. Folks, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we always do, The music's going to softly play. And this will be your time to get things settled with the Lord. If you're here today and you don't know what your standing with the Lord is, as it relates to His mercy, I ask you to come to me. Let me open the Bible and show you what it means, how you can be saved, and you can know that you have the mercy of God applied to your life. And number two, right now, maybe just in your heart of hearts, you need to ask the Lord to forgive you for withholding mercy. God said we're supposed to be merciful. So let's see to it that we are merciful as God is merciful. God thank you for your mercy we know that you are a just God you demand justice and I thank you that you would put that justice on your own son Jesus for me Lord you've forgiven me of so much and I pray that likewise I'd be able to forgive others and have mercy on others and I pray that I would share that message of the kingdom with everyone around me Lord I pray that you bless us as we get ready to dismiss when we go into the rest of our day and Lord, I just ask that this week as we go about our lives that you would go with us, keep us from sin, and bring us here together at the next time. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've, I'm just a few minutes over, like four minutes over. So I remembered.